0: So we have come to the end of this series that we've been doing all summer on Seven Virtues. Just in time for the last weekend of summer. I don't know about you, but the summer went by really fast for me. I actually didn't realize today was the last weekend. So, so far we have talked about humility, kindness, temperance, chastity, patience, and diligence. And today we're going to be ending this series by looking at the virtue of charity, which helps us fight against the sin of greed. So it's pretty easy for us to understand that greed is not great and it's also something that we all struggle with and that we can all relate to. We live in a society and a culture that bends to the nature of selfishness. One that normalizes greed. Looking out for yourself and being self-absorbed is nothing new, it's common and it's been something that's been going on since the beginning. So what is the solution for selfishness? How do we change from selfish to selfless? All of these virtues that we've been talking about, they they help us change these sinful patterns. And they're things that we can add into our daily lives, things that will take time and practice. But by leaning on God and leaning on each other, we can cultivate each one of these virtues. We can change our attitude towards possessions and people, and we can cultivate an attitude of charity, or generosity to battle that selfish nature that each of us struggles with. So today I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, and those will be on the screen behind me. I'll give that a minute. So it reads, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he, Jesus, said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared? Whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. And this isn't the only story within the Gospel of Luke that touches on this idea of greed and poor stewardship. So throughout Luke's Gospel, he highlights stories that show that everywhere Jesus went, he encountered people who were greedy and selfish. People who had forgotten that God owns this world and all the things in it. When we look at verse 13, it gives us the context and the reason why Jesus told, chose to tell this parable of the rich fool. And it is the man who tells Jesus that his, to tell his brother to divide the family inheritance with him. Now, the Torah law, it does give rules surrounding the topic of inheritance. But where Jesus sees the issue is that this man, he's not upset about the amount that he's inherited. But his concern lies in the fact that this inheritance has been left to himself and his brother jointly. He would rather be, it be divided and be independent of his brother. So he's saying that his love of money, it lays over his love for his brother. And this is what Jesus takes issue with. In verse 10. In verse 15, he says, take care, be on guard against all kinds of greed, because he sees into this man's heart, and all he sees is greed. So he uses this opportunity to teach and tell this man and everyone around him a parable about the dangers of greed. And the parable, it begins with a man who is rich, even before the harvest, a harvest that ended up being more than he had planned for, So it just increased his wealth that he already had. And we may be thinking that I don't entirely relate to this man in the sense of having that abundance. But in a sense, most of us can identify with this rich man in that we don't have enough, but we lean towards being greedy. We lean towards wanting more and more than what we need. In verse 17, we get the response of this overabundance from the rich man. He says to himself, what should I do? for I have no place to store my crops. Notice that he has no sense of community. He doesn't think for a second to give that abundance to others. Instead of seeing that he has more and than, he, than he needs, he's thinking, hmm, how can I share this fortune with others? He doesn't think that. Instead, his thought is selfish, and it centers on protecting his, his possessions and gaining more for himself. So his greed and selfishness, they're just further shown in the next two verses, where he talks about how he will store this excess. Notice that there is, there's no thanks to God for this harvest. Everything is about him and his possessions. In those three verses, we can count six times that he said I, and five times that he said my. What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. There I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul. Jesus really drives home the point that there's danger and greed. The response from God to this rich man is, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So people who love their possessions, they tend to guard them very jealously. But those guards that we put in place and those plans, they tend to fail after death. And the saddest part about this parable is that it portrays a person that has spent so much time guarding and growing their wealth and possessions that they have missed out living their life. By being preoccupied with wanting more and more, he would have isolated himself from others, from his community, cut himself off from God, And the passage ends with, so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. This is a warning that applies not just to the super rich people. Because the problem, it's not in wealth, but instead the selfishness and the greed of it, which we all fall prey to. When we think more about what greed looks like in our lives today, the best way to describe it would be the need to accumulate things, money, in fear that those needs won't be met in another way. Often that is where our greed comes from and wanting that sense of security. And often this is where the sin of it lays, putting our faith in things and our own capabilities rather than in God. And great greed is its so ingrained into our context so think about all the commercials that we see that are created to make us think, if only I had this product, I would be happy. I would feel safe, secure. But the thing is, is that it doesn't end. Greed, it's consuming, in that we never seem to be satisfied with what we have. We just want more and more, thinking the next thing will make us happy. And sure, money, it can buy us comfort, but it doesn't give us contentment. We can think that, At some point, we will have all we need, but it seems that the more we acquire, the more we need, or that we think that we need. Things that before seemed like wants or luxuries, they now seem like needs. Think about times where you've changed a job or you've had a pay raise. Typically, your standard of living also increases significantly. All those things before that That jump in pay seems like luxuries now seem like needs. And greed, it distracts us from what's most important. Greed makes what we have or want to gain more important than our relationship with others, more important than our relationship with God, more important than doing what God has asked us to do, which is serve and love others. So greed equals bad, clearly. We know this. It never actually leaves us satisfied. It always leaves us wanting more and more. It enslaves us, isolates us from others and from God. So where's the shift? If we don't want to continue to be selfish people, then we need to learn how to be generous, how to be selfless. Fighting against greed first is a shift in our attitude. It's about first being satisfied with what we have. And that frees us from being enslaved to money, possessions. It also lets us live a simpler and more clutter-free lifestyle. We'll find ourselves being content and thankful for what we have that supports our true needs. And that gives us the room to move away from ourselves and look and connect outwards to other people. So the virtue of charity means giving without expecting anything in return. Charity, it doesn't it doesn't always just mean money, either. It can be about offering your time, your talents, or your assets to help someone in need. And when we talk about charity, it's, it's rooted in love, loving others the way that God loves us, having that desire to seek the well-being and blessing of others just for that cause. And if we're looking for examples of selfless people, The most selfless act that we can learn from happened when Jesus willingly stepped down from the right hand of God the Father to be born in a human body, a lowly body. And his whole life gave us the example of how to live a selfless life. He taught his followers and us how to be servants to each other. And an even more selfless act when he willingly went to the cross for our benefit. Through his death our enslavement to sin like greed has been broken. And we can cry out to God for help, lean on him, and help us to overcome greed and become more like him with his charitable and selfless nature. So how do we move away from greed? How do we change and embrace charity, generosity, and love? The first step is that we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to spend time looking at our own lives and how greed has affected it, which Seems a little counterintuitive when we're talking about greed and wanting to get away from self is the first step is to look towards self. But we we need to take an honest look. And when we become followers of Christ, it it comes with a responsibility that we're called to take on the attributes of Christ, things like charity and selflessness, and maybe ask ourselves, how do the people around us see me? Do they see me as selfish or selfless? What are my spending habits like? How do I give to others? Am I a charitable person? Do I give the leftovers that I have? Or do I put their needs as the same level as my own or higher? And there are a few different ways that we can cultivate the virtue of charity. The first is the regular practice of tithing, which is a practice that really helps us loosen our attachment to money. When we tithe, we offer God our first fruits, meaning our best, not the leftovers, not the money that we have left after spending most of it on ourselves. And this is really helpful when we want to move away from the sin of greed, when we find ourselves being selfish and having a nature of greed. We want to loosen that attachment we have to possessions and money. And some other ways are not to upgrade our lives. Meaning if your financial situation changes, your income does go up, don't change your current level of spending to match it. I think about as I have switched from being a very poor student to having a regular steady income, it was really hard to not just up my spending on frivolous things that I never had seen as a necessity. They were all wants. So just having that that idea or that attitude to maintain a lifestyle, even if your income has, has changed or upgraded. So not to upgrade yourself. Other things are set a period of time, like a month where you don't buy anything outside of your actual needs that you have in life. Or look to other people who are models of generosity See what you can learn from them. Take example of them for your own opportunity to be charitable. And finally, take action through intentional gratitude. This passage that we read, it ended with, so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. So what does being rich towards God look like? I think that being rich towards God means Being thankful to God for all the blessings and things that we have in life that others may not have. Taking a look and a stock that what we have and being grateful for it, as well as practicing good stewardship, recognizing that everything that we have, everything that we have been given, we do not own, but we are given stewardship over and we need to practice good stewardship with those things that God has provided for us which includes generosity to the people around us that we have been called to love. So greed, it does us no good. It doesn't bring about long-term satisfaction and it leaves us wanting more and more. In the fight against greed, we have to be able to ask ourselves hard questions and take a look deep into our lives. And we have to be able to ask ourselves if our actions are helping only ourselves and no one else, and if our actions are helping or if they're hurting others. If we want to cultivate a spirit of charity, a selfless nature instead of a selfish one, then we must be willing to humble ourselves and bring up others' needs instead of just our own. We need to actively seek out opportunities to be serving others, to be a blessing to others. There's many things in our church that we do to seek to serve others many ways that we try to connect with our community, to give back to our community. Our backpack drive, for one, is a good example of that. Our security in life, it doesn't come from our possessions, but it comes from God. And when we fully realize this, we don't remain chained to those material assets, and we lose the desire to continue to accumulate things for ourselves. And when that happens, it in turn, it, It frees us to share and seek blessings on others that need it, becoming more Christ-like with a generous spirit. Let's come together before God and pray. Father, as we wrap up this series on, on the seven virtues, I just pray that each one of these things has made an impact on someone's life here that is spoken to someone give us the eyes to see into ourselves to see the areas of sin in our lives that we maybe need your help to root out lord as always we we lean on you to cultivate these virtues to be more like you you are our example and we we look towards you to model our life after lord but we can do none of this without you so we ask that you journey with us that you Help us to be better people, to be more like you, Lord, to root out these areas of sin in our lives, to take a hard look at ourselves and see what areas are being affected, Lord. We just ask that you continue to journey with us, not just today, but throughout the week, Lord, throughout the month, throughout the days, that you continue to be a presence with us and guide us and teach us and correct us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.